So welcome to the Microbial Secret Society. Oh, I didn't know it was a secret society. Yeah, so I'm here with Reba O'Day at the HFU convention. Yep. Hello. So do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Oh, sure. I'm Reba O'Day with uh, <laughs> Birds with Arms Farms. We do sugarcane juice at the Upcountry Farmer's Market in Makawakula, Kula, Ho, Maui. And so our mangosteen farm is up and coming. Mangosteen? Yeah. So our seven acres of mangosteen orchard is 21 years old. And that guy right there, he planted them with his dad right there when he was 11. And uh, his dad took him to Malaysia and they brought over the mangosteen seeds. And now they're fruiting. We have over 125 trees. Wow. Well, I, I love mangosteen. It's it's like supposedly the queen of fruits, I think. Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and we are also putting like 20 durian in right now. And they're like two years old. So we're going to have the king of fruits and the queen of fruits. That'll be wonderful. Cool. Yeah. So, so can I ask a little bit about your sugarcane business? Sure. So uh, how are you... How does it operate? Well, it's very much just... I go and cut down sugarcane, and then I bring it to a farmer's market. <laughs> so, yep, it's hard labor. <laughs> so so you're at, at a farmer's market, and then you're juicing it live? like Yeah, in front we of have them? this really old mill machine made for sugarcane that his dad, Lee Lopez, he, uh, he just had in the greenhouse. We kind of moved to Maui six years ago to make the farm work for his dad to kind of take over the reins his dad taught us all of the tools and just kind of gifted us all of the equipment to use for the land and taught us how to use it and right now you see the worm bins he's like teaching us that soil and microbes and mycorrhiza is like the most important things so he's been preaching to me before i even knew about the hawaii farmers union or knf yeah or before i met you yeah, so learning learning about the secret society through the mycorrhiza then. Yeah, yeah. It was like uh, infiltrated. It was well, you got to speak up so I can hear you. <laughs> you can oh, hear you, you have, but yeah, I don't have yeah, feedback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was, um, yeah, it was, I don't know, brainwashed through the soil. I think, yeah, you create a relationship when you work in the soil so much every day. So you become part of that ecosystem. Did, so did you know about the the mycorrhiza? Like, what, what point in your life did you realize its importance? Uh, well, because I never farmed before, Lee just told us <laughs> that it was. He said, the number one thing you have to know about farming is your soil. And uh, he doesn't like inputs. He doesn't... Uh, you have to minimize inputs and then... Uh, create everything on your own, hopefully. So he had mulch piles, and he had he had all these piles when we moved on to the farm. And now we're trying to replicate those piles six years later, like reading how to farm. And then it's like, oh, this is what Dad said to me for the last 20 years. So Devin has been like brainwashed to be a farmer. And he never thought he would be a farmer. That's what he told me when I met him. And then... And then, yeah, we just decided to move back to Maui and see if it would work. And it's been working. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, like, moving into this new reality of farming and mm-hmm. seeing more of this. It, are, are you stoked on the farm? I mean, uh, yes. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> stoked. Um, yeah, it's so therapeutic. It's meditative, washing the cane every Friday. Mm. I have a whole routine, and I think if you repeat the same thing like every day or every week, uh, you have your practice, and it's like part of your life. And then your practice just becomes magical because mm. you repeat the same things. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And so you can see results. I like to see results. 
And it's really cool. That's why I like farming, because it's just a numbers game. You plant 100 seeds, and maybe 10%, you can say, okay, guaranteed, I can have 10% success from seed to harvest. Mm, mm, mm. And that's a really low number. It was probably like, yeah, for every 10 seeds or 1031, you know, 1031. It's like for every 10 clients, three people will talk to you and one person will buy your item. Yeah. So if you just apply that to your crops, I got to plant 100 to get 10 to get, or to get 30 to get 10. And then you can just quantify that. So I need to make 10 times the price. 10 times in the effort. Yeah. And usually you don't make a lot of money. <laughs> That's the sad reality. Okay, okay. Sounds good, sounds good. Yeah, so uh, how, how have you been enjoying this convention? Um, it's so chill. Do you like the hive? <laughs> Do you like it? I, I've been enjoying this hive. So You've been in the hive a lot. Yeah, well, because I've been just trying to relax <laughs> and like take it easy. You fell asleep back there. There was a lot of people who fell asleep back there. I like that, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a nice chill spot, and mm -hmm, I, yeah. I, the whole convention I go out there. There's so much energy, and then I come back here, and it's kind of like chill and relax a little bit, and have mm -hmm. um, conversations that are really, um, you know, meaningful. I find everyone that's here is like top of their game in whatever they're, you know, in, in and um, almost everyone I meet here is also um, actively engaged. Mm -hmm. They're like, paying attention. Well, like, and and their hands are dirty in whatever they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like whether you're a chef or you're, uh, you know, farming or you're, just like we're all doing it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just so cool. We have so much in common, even though we're all, there's so many people here. You, oh, it's so easy to find a conversation, and yeah. that's like my favorite thing to do is talking like to strangers. So it's like, oh my gosh, we're already connected. Yeah. And this is like, this is just a cool, we just go to the middle of nowhere in Maui and we plant some cover crops and then we build a tent city <laughs> and then we just hang out for a weekend. Like what? And this is a nonprofit that like we could lobby <laughs> Congress for. <laughs> oh, I guess there's more people here. <laughs> so Highlights. Mm, of the convention of the convention yeah sure um, highlights of the convention so far I really liked how I like how people stay uh, and the lights go on at night and uh, the the magic mushroom movie was really cool I'd seen that at the Maui Film Festival last year and it was it, it felt the same you feel like you're on psilocybin even though you're not I'm sure some people were were you no, not last night. No, last I wasn't. Night. I, last wasn't night I, I went to sleep kind of early, actually. Oh. Yeah, I, you know, I party too hard during the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. The wind Somebody is intense here in Maui. Came. Who is that? Oh, I think our haku bar is getting set up. Oh, great. We're going to make haku. They're going to teach us how to f like make hakule. Hakule. Cool, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, you brought all those beautiful flowers yesterday? Um, well, we, we bought them from Petaloom Floral, Ashley. Um, she got them from local farmers, so local flower farmers, Keokea, Protea, and then um, some friends uh, around Haiku, up country. They just all got together, and they made that huge floral bar. And then everybody got to take a free bouquet. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now there's some like King Crotea left, so those are just huge hanging out over there, <laughs> just making the hive look beautiful. And uh, we got some worm bins over there now, and we're gonna do the haku bar and give away all this honey that was uh, foraged in the eucalyptus flowers of our gulch area like two weeks ago. Yeah. Cool. So, what is what is your message for the world? Mm. Oh, I don't know. My message for the world? Yeah. Um, I guess find your passion. I really think it's really great. Uh, farming was really hard for me to start out as far like a farmer from becoming a financial advisor and then a math teacher. 
And then completely deciding to not be like in numbers or anything. I was just like kind of like my brain was fried. <laughs> so, yeah, the math teaching, at, they asked me to be a full-time math teacher. I was doing it part-time for the, a while. And then they wanted to make me on salary. And I had been on salary before. And that's like you work an infinite amount of time and you only get this much money. And so I was like, okay, I'm giving my whole life to this teacher thing. But it just wasn't making me happy. So I chose farming. And it does make me happy. And it didn't make me happy at first because it was uh, just kind of boring to me because I wasn't paying attention. And I wasn't, I was just doing it to try to make money. <laughs> and that was like, great, I found out how to make money. But once I went to the beginning Farmers Institute, I was like on Reddit or something and reading this article led me to another article about like wheat farming in Indiana and how they uh, subsidize their crops and the government pays for it. And I was like, kind of like, maybe I didn't have a job then. <laughs> I was like, oh, how do I? Oh, yeah. I was like teaching and I was like, how do I make money? I don't know. I just want to make more money. And my dad always taught me, like, utilize the loops in our government. The government is there. Like, we pay taxes for a reason. So use them because I pay a lot of taxes. So <laughs> he's like, you should get free anything you can because I would rather you use my tax dollars than, like, all these other people are using my tax dollars. So let's do that. So I've always had that kind of mentality where the government should work for you. Because we are the government. So we should be the government. Mm. Mm. So then, yeah, that article was just about EQIP, the NRCS program. So I applied mm -hmm. for a, um, a contract through them. And then the Indiana Wheat article led me to another article about the Beginning Farmers Institute and how they would fly you around the, like, uh, the continent, around America, the mainland, and... Uh, bring you to other farms and I told you to go to it did you you went yeah, yeah, to fly well, it I did the fly in but I didn't do the, the farmer how yeah. long have you been farming uh it's, well I mean seriously since like 2007 okay so you're technically gov uh, under the government's radar you're not a beginning farmer so well they say you can't, an you intermediate can't farmer for five years or less oh yeah well but uh you could just say yeah I know technically it's really hard to say I'm a farmer. Devin still doesn't say he's a farmer sometimes. People ask him what we do for a living and he's like, well, uh, I don't know. I'm like, well, we make all our money farming, so <laughs> we're farmers. Well, I, uh, yeah, I used, to, well, I used to be an educator and then now I, I find myself being an edutainer to make money. Like, um, but oh, then like the, a, the, core, like the core of my thing is I, I want to eat good food and I want to farm, you know, and I, I live on a farm and I live in that you know, so so that's the core of me. But but to make you know, like making money through education is is great too, because it's a it's a huge energy exchange to like mm -hmm. it, like educate people, run huge workshops and things. It's nice to be uh, compensated for that. Yeah, it's nice to have money that goes towards your passion. It's nice to find your passion in the field that makes you money. So that I feel like we're lucky because we found the career that is a lifestyle that makes you happy. Mm, it's mm. like a whole lifestyle. So I live on the farm. So that's a complete dedication right there, which is what you want as a farmer, which is how you make it magically work for you, even if you don't make enough money yet. Well, well, I'm trying to move. I want to make my farm make more money. And what I'm, what I want to do is the small scale sugar cane like you're doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and I grow a lot of sugar already. It's and I just got an electrified press. I just oh, bought the wow. right parts and got it done. Oh, nice. And so now I'm wanting to like, because I think that could be a core staple. Because then the bagasse left over then mm -hmm. becomes stuff that I can mix with the pig pen waste and make an, a, a really decaying soil mulch amendment. Oh, totally. And like get this whole cycle going and mm -hmm. really like you know bringing money in from the sugar cane that I sell would be crucial how much sugar cane are you growing right now uh, right now I have you know probably like 40 clumps or so wow that's a lot yeah 
Um, and I'm and I'm just polyculture diversifying, you know. And I, I plan to plant a whole full um, about an acre, um, but you know, diversified all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, diversity like in the financial market, diversify your stocks and whatever, and it's the same. You just apply the. I apply like all of the things that I've been trained in in my education. Apply. Even though I'm like, oh, my parents are like, oh, you're not using your degree. You got a degree. Like, why? If you're just going to be a farmer and do like hard labor. But to make it work, you do have to apply all of your education. Well, how do you how do you bring your math into it? Because I I love math too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a super nerd. So. We, yeah, we always uh, sing about math. How does that always happen? Do you, do you ever find yourself taking like integrals or like derivatives of things, Ooh, and you're yes. like using calculus while you're just doing simple like yard work? <laughs> <laughs> I use a lot of geometry. I was uh, a geometry teacher for a while, uh, and I use a lot of geometry when I uh, plan for my greenhouse or my crops yeah the spacing of my chicken hens I built a sheep wagon a chicken tractor and we're building a hoop house and we just built a house so it's like a lot of geometry it's like oh yeah and I'm so proud of myself when I use Pythagorean theorem it's actually a thing that you apply so that's fun not so much calculus uh, yeah, well, I find I did a bunch. Yeah, geometry in construction, huge. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been studying an interesting type of math called. Um, uh, it's it's based on electricity and the eight quadrant cycle, and it's um, al- algebra. Um, Eric Dollard's doing it. I can't I can't think of the name right now. Um, but basically, you know, like t- they're they're trying to solve. Ah, like electrical cycles, where oh. usually you have to use imaginary numbers oh. to describe because it goes into like another dimension of like counter space. <laughs> and with, I love that, no big deal. But there's actually like it just goes into another dimension or like like counter space, like so cool. I, right? You, you're familiar with the, the concept oh, yeah. of I, uh-huh, right? Yep. It's an what? What is I? It's uh, it's an imaginary number. Yeah, but what I mean, it's like. It's in another dimension, right? It's like in some other spot, right? Because it's there and you can think about it, but it's not tangible. It's not real. It's not in this physical plane, right? So, but this is what. Tangible is a good word for that. Yeah. Well, tangible means you can be tangent to it so you could see it, right? Tangible, like these. I felt like tangible meant you could feel it or like tangible, like it's something you can hold. A construct, though, is not tangible. Yeah. Well, now, now all those all those terms you mentioned, like constructs, even a math term, like this goes oh. deep. Oh, Devin hates when I say construct because he thinks it's like a hippie word. He's like, I'm like, time is just a construct. Stop worrying so much. And he's like, time is just a construct. Wow, you sound like a hippie. I'm like, thanks, but it is just a construct. So really, yeah, what time is it? Why does it matter? What if I lie to you and say it's 5.30 and it's really 4.45? 45 minutes is that like a tangible item that you've lost what's well, it's measuring like a, a degree that we're rotating around the sun or something i mean it's weird mm-hmm. that they they base position, our your position in the world well it's like based on sixes though which is interesting instead of like there's 10 hours in the day mm-hmm. it's based on like a, a six or like like a 12 hour system you know mm-hmm. like even even the the degrees in a circle instead of there being like 100 degrees in a circle there's 360 mm-hmm. it's this weird like has six or three i, I don't know yeah, my address is 360. I got an address Ooh. two years ago. Ooh, <laughs> like, yes. oh, you're like, oh, full circle. Full circle. Dude, that's what I said. I said, oh, full, uh, too bad I already named my farm Birds with Arms Farms. I kind of have to stick with that. Full circle birds full circle, and arm birds. Full circle birds with arm birds? Yeah, it's good. Full circle farms just came to mind, and it was like, oh, that's so cliche. I hate it. But I love it also because it's like totally true. If you bring like also the idea of a closed loop system into your uh, farm, you can use open loop systems, positive reinforcement systems, like positive feedback loops that are just like, yeah, you see it. And you're like, oh, predator prey situation. I can do differential equations with my predator and prey situations in my farm. I can apply this and then I can take like, and then it leads into matrices, which like then 
you can form like ma a matrix from the two equations of your predator and, and prey that you can get data from on your farm. And then you like, s I don't know what you solve it for. Like why, why would you want to solve that though? Well, I mean, maybe for uh, optimizing. Maybe it's definitely for optimization. That's exactly yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, that's a good word too. I mean, you know, that's why, we, uh, why I do matrixes. <laughs> that is matrixes. Yeah, matrices do optimize. Okay. That's yeah, an arrangement chills. of patterns within the grid. Yeah. Yeah, finding patterns in life and finding patterns in the world. Yeah. And like plants and pollination and bees. Mm. Pattern. Oh, like the golden ratio. And yeah, E and pi. Oh yeah. Are, are you a, are you a beekeeper as well, or where where's your um, honey come from? Yeah, this honey's from our farm. We uh, I don't necessarily beekeep. I have taken some courses for the continuing education, continuing they call it continuing adventure education. I don't know. Um, so I'm technically a beginning beekeeper. And yeah, yeah, yeah. oh hey, that's James. Cool. Um, yeah. So, but I do have fifty-ish hives going for eucalyptus season right now in our wow. farm. Yeah. So that's really good. Our mangosteens are producing, and I think the fruits got pollinated because we put the hives in right when they were fruiting or flowering, and then it's just going to help the whole orchard. I don't know. The orchard reveals itself to me still because it's so large and. Uh, we cleared it out all once, and I, I literally still haven't been to parts of the farm. I just can't get there. And I, like, dream about these fields that I've seen years ago because I just, like, oh, now it's overgrown because I live in the jungle. And so now if my tractor breaks down, which is always broken down, my tractor is always broken, I think that's the number one thing for beginning farmers is that you actually also have to be a mechanic. And I am not that kind of girl. Um... My dad was an Eagle Scout. He raised me in Boy Scouts, pretty much. But I'm a girl, so I was never allowed to do Boy Scouts. Which now they changed that. So good job. But the Boy Scouts, I like learned how to be a Boy Scout. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's helped in farming too. I find I find that same thing. I I got trained. I got some military training, and it comes in useful Whoa. to like tie knots and like do stuff. You you were in the army. Uh no, I was in this thing called JROTC. And I went, mm -hmm. I entered before I was in high school. And then I, by the time I was done, I was the uh, brigade commander. Or, Whoa, it yeah. kind of sounds like a D&D &D thing, like yeah, yeah, level yeah. 45. You got all these brigade badges and commander. medals and stuff and like put them mm -hmm. on there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, I, but I learned a whole bunch from that. And on, now on my farm, I utilize those skills all the time. Like I actually had to do rappelling at one point. <laughs> do you duck and roll? <laughs> duck and roll. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just plant your trees. Yeah. Sometimes I find myself rolling down hills and stuff. And <laughs> remembering to be a kid. Yeah. 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 Wow. Army yeah. training. Then yeah, you kind of think of like the only time in my life I think of Hawaii or the subtropics is like Vietnam movies. So I find myself in my orchard alone, and then I see palm trees, and I'm like, oh wow! Like this is either Pearl Harbor, or Josh Hartnett movie. That's like the only Hawaii movie I can think of that I was obsessed with. And I never thought of Hawaii, and um, or it's, it reminds me of Vietnam that I've never been to, but I've seen in Vietnam movies, I guess. The Hawaii jungle. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe just subtropics. It's very new to me. Yeah, I grew up yeah. in Oregon. So. so where where were you before subtropics? Um, Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's like cold. You could grow like uh, stone fruit, a lot of stone fruit, and they're good at apples. And they're good at a lot of stuff that's, yeah, they grow a lot of their own food there. I got to travel around there for farms. They have, good, um, they have one farmer's union for like... Did you get to meet Charlotte at Farmer Fly-In? I think so. She's the president of the Oregon. Uh, I think she's so. really rad. She wrote a cool book about marketing as a farmer. Huh. Um, and I read it for the Beginning Farmers Institute. They gave it to us, and she spoke with us, and we got to meet with her. Cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. It was really great. So, yeah, you should do the Beginning Farmers Institute. <laughs> Why? Let's just say... Uh, they won't listen to this podcast. They won't know you've been farming since 2007. But your dad's a farmer, right? 
Uh, well, I kind of, I, I sort of grew up on a farm, like a nursery. Yeah. You know, but I didn't really care about it until after I learned about math, and then I learned Ooh. about exponential function, <laughs> mm. and I learned how like rapidly things deplete. Like when you're using them at exponentially, and then you're at half, you don't have twice as much time. You actually have only one doubling period left. Ooh. Which when I learned that math, like because I, you know, I love math, and when I learned that, I was like, wow. Well, if I want to survive, I should probably farm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the survival. It's like you want to survive. Well, that, that, but I also want to live like a good existence. I, I look and I see like, you know, they're talking about, you know, our food isn't nourishing us anymore. And it's like, and I, I thought about it and I could be like, hey, you f- do that better for me. Or, but I was like, what kind of dick would that be? Like, <laughs> Like, how about I just say, okay, well, if you're not, if, if people aren't producing healthy food, then I can produce healthy food. Mm-hmm. And if people are eating poison from those other people, then eventually I'll win through war of attrition. <laughs> like your customers <laughs> will die and mine will thrive and I'll be in business. I know. Yeah. yeah. See the, see the world. It's a video game. This is how you win. Right. You just, right. just hold out long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You like, I would go out in the farthest area of a map. My brother would like create a map and he would uh, he would want me to play with him to test his video games and uh, I would just like cultivate I found myself cultivating as many resources as possible I would never want to go to war it was like world of, it was World of Warcraft before World of Warcraft it was Warcraft 2 or something and I would like just like nice cut down as stuff. many trees as I could like possible and I would learn all the cheat codes to gain as many resources as I could before he finally got bored and killed me <laughs> And then he gave me the cheat code to beat the game. So whenever he broke through all the forces, if I never felt like doing war, like fighting, I hated fighting with him. He would just say, okay, uh, it is a good day to die. And that was like the cheat code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, cool, thanks, David. And now David creates video games for a living. Really? Yeah. Wow. He works for um, Pipeworks in Eugene, Oregon. Wow. Yeah, he's the smartest person I know. Wow. Mm -hmm. So a computer programmer. Or yeah, some, I think so. Com- yeah. Something. Something in the computers. video game. I mean, the video games today are so complex. Yeah, he's working with the Oculus Rift. Is oh, that cool. Maybe not. Yeah, well, so, so he actually not. works for no. Facebook then if he works for nope, Oculus. false then. See, that's false. He does not work for Oculus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's tried to, to create games for VR. And I know maybe oh. he just had an Oculus Rift or something. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. A, well, VR, AR, both those things, kind of interesting technologies. I uh, I, I often, I, so I didn't have a smartphone for a long time, and recently I have one, and now I'm like, I feel like a cyborg, like, linked to it. Like, I wake up in the morning, it's like, what do I do? I fucking turn it on, and I look at it, and I get my, like, oh, endorphins yeah. released from my social network. Totally. I find myself checking Instagram. Uh, when I close Instagram, I'll just press it again. Yeah, what? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? What? Why is my brain opening Instagram again right when I closed it and like closed it? Like I just yeah. So I usually silence my phone now. I think I was addicted to my phone for a while when I lived on the mainland. I lived like in a city and uh, worked in a city, and so my life was all about uh, like city. So now living in the in the jungle. I just, I don't even have my phone on me most of the time. I don't even, I didn't even have my phone yesterday and we're running this convention. Yeah. So I should have had my phone. That was my bad. But yeah. I also, I think I forced myself to, to do it subconsciously because of how the phone addiction maybe affected my life. I wouldn't pay attention to people in my life. I would be on my phone. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing. I feel this double-edged sword here. This type of stuff, I want to share it with the world. These are the messages that, that should go out. Instead of just idle tweets or like cat photos, it's like photos of people on the land changing the world with influential speakers and like micro-celebrities. Uh-huh. Micro-celebrities. <laughs> yeah. I know I told Doug Fine yesterday he was a celebrity. Or no, I told Devin. I was like, Doug Fine's a celebrity. And Doug's, Devin's like, I think he's not a celebrity. And I'm like, oh, maybe he's just like a celebrity in our farm community. Community. He's and a celebrity. He's a micro celebrity. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't do Hollywood. He's not a Hollywood celebrity. Uh, yeah. So, but there's like a farm community, like the Salatins are celebrities. Like, um, I'm reading 
uh, Market Gardener. No, like the rock star stuff, farming. Like you got Gabe Brown, you got um, Joe Salton. Gabe Brown, I got to see him talk last yeah. year. No, Doug Fine. Like Doug, it's on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tulsa Gabbard. Yeah. But she's a real celebrity, too. Oh, I just saw her. That was, that was you, awesome. The flying oh, was epic. And you got to see. <gasps> Oh, Reverend. Oh, Jesse Jackson. I yeah. sat with him for like 15 minutes at this table. Like, wow. you, when do you get to sit with the Reverend Jackson for 15 minutes? Only when he's also waiting to see Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> no big deal. Like, does that make you as fam- as important as Reverend Jesse Jackson? I think so. Oh. We're at the wow. same table with him. I just got chills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tulsi Gabbard is a rock star. Yeah, a um yeah, what a what a trip though, DC. The t- the tunnels and the whole the power broking and like the, you know, we were in this room with generals sitting down at tables, you know, like and people like seriously amped up about stuff, and I'm like, wow. They're serious. They actually change the world, and to see it actually work, people always complain about how Congress doesn't do their job or how government uh, good enough for government work that's what my dad always said and that means like the shittiest quality work good enough for government work is like I know I'm not getting paid enough money to do this work government doesn't pay you enough I think politicians get paid a lot of fucking money and so if we can vote in the right politicians who can also make money doing it that's great like we're voting I'm like Simon Russell he's running for our house and if he gets voted in like he'll probably get a salary but I think also he's he's one of those people who will change the world yeah and um, I think people are really strong and well, I, I mean, I can see it like as the as a farmers union, as a political lobbying organization. If we go to the farmers and we just like, or the, excuse me, we go to the politicians and we just like bring the the fruits and the abundance and just like be persistent there. It's like the lobbying. What I realized is it's pretty easy, and that yeah, like people come like the fun? corporations come with big money, but you don't have to compete with that. Like competing with like heart and actual food and like because the politicians are people. And their yeah. staff are people, mm-hmm. and they all have hearts and minds, and they do have to have political. You know, you gotta get reelected. You gotta get your money. You gotta establish your empire and your clique. But, but they're real people. And the farmers union, I can see it as just like it's gonna be this, where today people want the teachers union or the carpenters union to back them. Mm-hmm. In the future, mm-hmm. politics will be like, oh, the candidate with the farmers union. <laughs> Dude, that's why we're like working with Mahi Pono so much right now because. We want to have a seat at the table. We're not just going to ignore a corporation that is buying uh, all of Maui. All of Maui. <laughs> We're not going to just say, oh, uh, no, we don't like you, so I'm not going to talk to you. How immature is that? Mm. So instead, let's get together and listen to each other's ideas and maybe guide each other in education. And then once they are educated, because Maui is completely different than California. So, right. or anywhere. Like if you're trying to buy our land, hopefully not like Chinese. I think we were worried like a Chinese company would try to buy the land. So that's fucked up too. But... That's crazy just to think that, like, a Chinese company could buy all of Maui, like, potentially. So Mahi Pono bought it, and we're just trying to make sure, like, that we can guide them as much as possible, and they're listening to us. We have Vince and Uncle Bobby. They're on the advisory committee for the farmlands, so I think they're going to guide them. Hopefully they'll listen, and who's to say corporations will ever listen to you? But if you have enough backing, maybe if Tulsi Gabbard says, oh, HFU, okay, I'll back you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we, as a farmer's union, I see we got to live in both worlds of, of regenerative ag and then the reality of what's, what's happening and that ma- majority of ag wants to shift to regenerative ag. So by building bridges and extending and, and showing up with, with our... Um, just our solutions that we're putting into action because each person here is like really like 
you know, it stands behind them is, is a family farm that's successful because they're, they're able to afford to be here. <laughs> and the tickets are so cheap at $180. No, no, not the ticket. I'm talking about the, what it costs me to be away from my farm to be here. Exactly. Yes, exactly. See, people don't come to the meetings because farmers have to farm, man. And it's so hard. And so I honestly was brought to the farmers union when I first came here because uh, my father-in-law he he loved it and he preached about it all the time and I was like oh my god this is so boring and it was like a bunch of just like my like Devin's dad's friends and so it was like there it was cool like I learned a lot of Hawaiian like how Hawaiian people hang out and how all these people connect so well they're all Ohana mm. and there's a lot of history there's a lot of Maui history Mm. in there and so it's very fragile and so that was like mm, not ready for that and I was also teaching at the time so I wasn't really into farming but I was I was living on a farm doing farm work part-time when I wasn't teaching which was I was always teaching so even part-time teaching is full-time teaching yeah 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 so I never got a farm I just like cultivated succulents for a while and cultivated every plant I could find <laughs> which isn't successful farming, but it is a cool experimentation. And I luckily could also make enough money at the time to just, you know, farm as a hobby. But one person in uh, BFI, they, they brought a lawyer in to talk to us about how to, you know, create your uh, LLC and, like, how to pay, like, Schedule F's, how to file Schedule F's and how to get your egg water rates and... Um, there are resources that apply to farmers because our government supports farmers. We have a whole farm bill. When I learned, I didn't really, we've always heard of the farm bill, but I never paid attention to the farm bill. Hmm. And so now learning how to lobby for the farm bill, that's just like, okay, great. Like, and I successfully was trained to lobby for the farm bill. And in that, I found how, found out the secret to actually changing the world. Hmm. And that is, you know, we all can hate on government or we can learn how to make government work for us because mm. we are the government. Mm. We the people. Hey, oh. oh. <laughs> so that when I actually saw it work, when I went to Oahu, I spoke it to the state senators and like spoke with them individually and then at a hearing and... Uh, I was speaking for a bill to raise my NRCS extension agent's salary. And so I just gave my testimony about how the NRCS gave me, uh, they reimbursed me for uh, my, my mulching, which is like how I renovated the mangosteen orchard, mm, is mm, mm. by cutting down all the glaricidia and mulching it. And then through the con conservation practice, uh, it created this amazing mycorrhiza in the soil. Yeah. <laughs> and then if we added IMO3 or we added, yeah. um, we gave them green sand, we've gave them vermicompost, we do a lot of vermiculture. And just like keeping the woody residue in the farm mm, mm. and keeping the ecosystems there. Luckily, it's an orchard that's very well-developed. We'd never have to till it. So people ask me yeah, sometimes yeah. about tiller, and I'm like, well, I have a rototiller. If I want to, like, uh, make, like, an acre farm. Mm. Like, in my head, I have, like, this market gardener, Fortier, like, farm. Like, one acre, one and a half acre, that makes me $100,000, $150,000 per year. And it's just a textbook that you read and apply, and then it's actually proven to be successful. That's a guaranteed way to make $150,000 in a year if you just put your head down and do it. Huh. Huh. You think you can do that? Oh, God, I hope so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just bought this book, so I read the preface, cool. and it's really got me excited. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Have cool. you read it? No, 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 no. Oh, my gosh, I, uh... he's so inspiring, him and his wife. Um make $100,000 per acre on really high-intense polyculture and um, market gardening. And they do CSA. And yeah, he's... Um, I've watched his uh, YouTube channel 
What, what is it? What's the name of the guy? Um, his last name is Fortier. It's French. Um, I forget his first name, but it's huh. market, the market gardener. Okay. So then in French, it's like something like Jadon. Oh, oh, oh. Jadon. Oh, oh, baguette. Oui. I don't speak much French, but... Oh, but ich verstehe nur ein French. Hi, hi, hi. Well, you, you, but you don't know what the market gardener is in French? <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> I just started reading it. Okay, cool. And I pre-ordered the Baker Seed catalog, the heirloom, the rare seed, Baker's, uh, Baker Creek heirloom seeds. Oh, yeah, yeah. We get 5% discount as, natural, as uh, Farmers see, Union. See, I have Farmers Union hooking us up. Yeah, or maybe it's even 10%. I don't know. It's good. And then we save on Johnny Seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, let me check. What do we got? I should probably set up my hive more. What's that? I have croissants and scones, and my mother-in-law's here. She lets me put all of my sugar cane clubs on her farmland. She has a uh, two-and-a-half-acre portion, uh, and it gets, we like to say, it gets the minerals from the ocean, which is probably false. <laughs> mm. So we also had azabite. Yeah, or good. we should, yeah. And we mulch a lot. Yeah. And irrigate. irrigation is the biggest concern right now because it's November and it feels like August. It hasn't rained here. Is it raining over on your island? So, so my thought the other night when I was sitting out here was that this whole middle spot used to be irrigated and used to be this cane line. And then it used to evaporate up and then make rain. But since like it's not, it's just this dirt. Then the dirt gets baked out, and then there's nothing to like replenish it because there's not really even any grass to like hold the moisture, and it just keeps getting baked out. And that's why it's like droughty over here. I think mm -hmm. it's because this went fallow. Yeah, who knows what's in this land? I don't trust it. Yeah, no, yeah. Not, I mean, we have to regenerate like, say, this know, land. They're grazing cows. I know they're trying to regenerate the land in North Shore. At least they have some regenerative practices they're doing. So, so the the mahipono, the, the that water truck that came by. Yeah. If we put microbes in there, the <gasps> IMOs in there. Oh my God, the bug juice. Yeah, it would it would just help uh, hold the soil down and and um you know because they're they're putting the water out there to mitigate dust. But if they got the microbes, the active soil that come alive, it would form larger particulate that wouldn't get as airborne as easy. Yeah, we could just spray the land and create the ecosystem. Right. And as they're, as they're doing it, then they're putting indigenous microbes in and they're building soil as they're trying to mitigate dust. So it's like win-win. Yeah. And then they're a corporation, so they're obviously not going to spend any money if they don't have to. So yeah. maybe... But this is a good investment for them. It is a good investment. It's a very good investment. But to convince them that they should spend a lot of money doing that, we have to prove to them that it does work successfully. Did you, did you just watch Amy Koch present, though? The She's soil. She, USDA, NRCS, like mm -hmm. all this stuff. I feel like sometimes we used to be like fringe hippies talking about um, microbes and all this stuff. And it's like hand wavy stuff. But she's with NRCS, like the government. And she's like, hey, microbes are really important and mm -hmm. you shouldn't keep your land bare. And like we're sitting here in. Yeah, yeah. I know. And um, the sad thing is when I talk about the NRCS, even in the farming community, uh, maybe half of the people don't even know what it is. And it's funded through the Farm Bill and it, it's there for farmers. And this is the group that knows what the NRCS is. But when you talk to people about the USDA, they've heard of the USDA, but they've never heard of FISMA and they've never... All these regulations for farmers these days. They don't know. There's a lot to learn. Mm. And it's like we can manipulate the government to work for us because we pay them to do that. We just have to educate ourselves. And oh. you just have to read a lot about it. All the information is out there for free. It's true. Yeah, you got to be Akamai on that. Like that's, mm. uh, I mean, that's maybe one thing the union could help all, all, the, all our other farmers do. I mean. Yeah, the union stands for education, cooperation. And legislation. The triangle. That's the triangle. National Farmers Union triangle. Um, mm, you know you know one thing that's interesting? National Farmers Union mm -hmm. to Hawaii Farmers Union? I felt like the national was much uh, different type of, like, um, in engagement in terms of, like, we were, we were talking to soybean and corn lobbies mm -hmm. and I was like you know I mean see that's important and then they're talking about like negotiating with China and stuff and I'm like 
you know, I, I think maybe that's important on a national level, but I just, it's so different from Hawaii because I've never negotiated with a Chinese person. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, my, <laughs> well, the, the, ven- Hawaii, no, no, the vendors, like, at the market, you know, but, like, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the Chinese, like, I've never negotiated with, the, like, capital, I, the Chinese, you know, and that was, like, what we were talking about, you know. I've, like, worked with people, not the Chinese. Like, who is yeah, that guy? <laughs> yeah, the Chinese, right? Yeah. But there's trade wars and stuff going on at this national level, which is a trip because Hawaii, I feel like we're really about alohaina and really oh, totally. about regenerating the land and thinking about selling commodities and getting good prices on things. I like know. I'm thinking about Our how are we going to live. We're like, we have one specialty crop technically from the USDA. They will fund our specialty crop of coffee, coffee. on your island, right? Big island. You guys have the big. It's because they want to drink all the coffee. They're like, yeah, we can't come into the to office Starbucks. without this. <laughs> 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 it was easy easy to get on there <laughs> it's just yeah all of our crops aren't even like covered under government dust like they're all specialty crops niche crops that like okay whatever like they, we don't even know about those they don't even care like if we offered our services to the national farmers union as an island um like reach out i've always thought of this i'm just not a good enough writer i'm not like looking to write a lot but i'm interested in you know having an island perspective to the national farmers union because we got chartered three years ago they really do uh enjoy our perspective because it is you know as climate change uh happens they're getting hotter so maybe you know maybe the mainland will be subtropical in more places than florida but like they are like mitigating for drought and they have to they have to they all care about soil health even if they're uh conventional farmers they they see the drought and they see water rights being taken away so well well, vince vince is on the regenerative soil committee that they have and then the the other the thing i was talking Mm -hmm. about yesterday Mm -hmm. at the natural farming thing is that there's like conservation jobs out there like you can go work and be like in conservation, but then your scope is so limited. If you really want or serious about conservation, become a farmer and get like thousands of acres and do regenerative farming on it. Mm-hmm. And now you're regenerating thousands of acres. And Yeah, that's like how people are changing the world by planting trees. Like I love how a meme can just catch on and then it's like, oh, Elon Musk just donated a lot of trees. So everybody else donates a bunch of trees for climate change. And actually people, millennials get made fun of so much, but when we decide to rally together, we can convince each other to do the right thing. Uh, Sometimes it's just really dumb things too, like Bodie McBoatface, or we vote for like Doritos to make weird flavors. But when... (laughs) Right, where we like vote for um, MTV Pitbull to go to Alaska because we can pit to, like we can get together and change the world. We really have that power, and I think we we're kind of like, oh yeah, we know we have power. You just have to convince us. Like we're also like the most um, like privileged generation. I feel like we're like, oh well, yeah. You also have to prove to us why we should give you our attention. Maybe it's our attention span, but. Oh, I see. I see it shifting. Farming, farming is becoming sexy. Like who, who's who's mm-hmm. like the, the attractive person in the room? It's the person that's like you know fit from like being in the field and like where eats the great food, Tan. you know, and has access to it. Yeah, like oh yeah, yeah, totally. So I feel like I'm the fittest I've ever been. I am the fittest I've ever been. I'm the tannest I've ever been, and um, I'm healthy and I'm happy. My diet is. You know, I actually care about what I eat, and I try to eat local, and yeah, uh, even in Hawaii, I feel that lifestyle, even if you're not a farmer, you're just healthier in Hawaii. We're really lucky we live in Hawaii, because it's so easy to choose the healthy lifestyle, because it's so ideal. Like, of course... The fruit is fresh. Of course I'm going to eat a dragon fruit. Of yeah. course. Like, yeah, I'm going to make a smoothie. And yeah, I'm going to care about my salad. I'm going to make the most bomb-ass salad in the world because I could grow everything and put it all in the bowl and it's healthy for me. And I actually could eat this whole bowl of salad. And it could be the most enjoyable dinner ever. It's mm. my favorite food. Mm. Didn't you see that, Marcia? Mm. Your favorite food is salad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I eat with her a lot because I always farm at her place, her sugar cane. And it's yeah. all year round. Yeah, seasons. Yeah. We do have seasons. But no, technically, like, we don't have winter. We don't have to worry about winter. No. We don't have to worry about, uh, I mean, we kind of do. Things go dormant. 
like flowers. My bulbs will only go in. Well, see, look, Steve's going to sleep in the hive cell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's perfect. Thanks oh, yeah. for creating this space. It's, it's oh, most beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The glitter is getting everywhere, but, you know. Oh, yeah. I love glitter. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to yeah. go over to Vince here in a minute. I know, yeah. I think you have to take a picture. And I should but, probably start. No, hey, thank Amaya. You. So, uh, Thanks so much for having yeah. me. Catch it on the microbial secret society. Yeah. So secretive. Okay, great. Thank yeah. you. Aloha. Aloha. Uh, so three, two, one, and we're live with the uh, microbial secret society. Whoa. And today uh, we got special guest Jennings. Yep, Jennings Ingram. And um, we're here at the HFUU convention. And on Maui. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're you're living in Haiku right now. Yep, on the North Shore. So do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, I'm a permaculture nerd and general soil enthusiast, and I moved to Maui three months ago, and I've been following your Korean natural farming work for a few years, and I used some techniques from Korean natural farming to totally heal my gut microbiome. Yeah, so that's that's when I met you. I was actually in the main tent, and you came up and you told me this this amazing story. And then I, um, it's it yeah, it's kind of moving for me because I I like to know that this information is actually applied and then um, mm. can really make a huge impact in like life. Yes, really, it's truly changed my life. <laughs> So, so um, where, where did your journey kind of start? Well, I... Yeah, like, like where you, what were you doing like when you found Korean Natural Farming or when you, you found this solution that was to, able to help you? Yeah, so I had started learning about permaculture and the kind of well basically I was it was hard for me to learn because I was trying to do an internship and I was getting sick all the time and I started to learn about the parallels between a healthy gut microbiome and a healthy immune system and then as I started then the Korean natural farming just like kind of came into my field and I realized that there are it, there's not a whole lot of published research about it, but there's a lot of parallels between a healthy gut microbiome and a healthy soil microbiome. And I was just like so at the end of my rope, I was getting sick. Like I'd get sick, get over it, be okay for a couple of weeks, and then get sick again. And I realized that I just needed to I needed to try something. And so um, that was when I decided to experimentally inoculate myself. <laughs> with indigenous microorganisms a la KNF. And and how did you how did you kind of discover that? Like what what recipe or like what did you like <laughs> like that's that's a big leap to take bro. Yeah. yeah, well I was already I was already interested in applying Korean natural farming because I like the idea of using what you have and just working with what's around you and not buying external inputs. And then I started to learn about, yeah, gut, the gut and immune system link. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, okay, I'm going to collect these cultures anyway. And there's not a whole lot of research to support this, but you know what? Like, screw it. I'm just going to inoculate myself with, with these IMOs. So... I, um, well, I'll give you a little bit of history. I used to take a lot of antibiotics because I got sick. Yeah, I would get strep throat and then I got my tonsils out and I kept getting sick. And then after that whole thing, um, yeah, then I kind of came to this learning journey and learning about Korean natural farming and permaculture. So I, I collected the cultures on rice from my the farm where I grew up in North Carolina and I drank it I mean you know 
did it on the rice, mixed it with water, or uh, mixed it with sugar, and then drank it and smeared it on my skin a couple times. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I have no idea what cultures it was, or, like, I didn't look at it under a microscope or anything, but I stopped getting sick. Like, I used to get sick, I mean, double-digit number of times, like, a year. It was really intense. And I've gotten sick, like, I did that in... I did that in 2017 and I've gotten sick like maybe four times since then and only when it was really intense which is just like a complete 360 for me so yeah I'm just like super grateful thank you soil I don't know what was in it but it healed my healed filled in some missing gaps in my my gut flora and helped my immune system immensely so <laughs> so yeah I ran up to you today and I was like oh my gosh it's KNF like Drake from KN all the KNF stuff and I was like I just want to tell him this story and like mm. see if you knew of anybody else who had experienced this type of transformation and yeah so that's and then we came to be talking here outside this tent like a pretty banging concert in the middle of this huge field under the stars. Overlooking a volcano. Yeah. Yeah. So you wanted to hear about some other people that I have heard of experiencing this. So I got a um, somewhat like, you know, it's good for the Secret Society mm -hmm. podcast to hear this. Yeah. But my friend Lloyd, he thought that somehow um, the microbes are what make you like human in a certain sense and that kind of the core underlying of what you are is this like gr a gray like a, like an alien oh y you know like how, how we fundamentally in our head think like uh, aliens like they look a little different mm -hmm. but that when the humans come and they occupy your your body you become like more human, more of the earth, more shaped towards like the the earth. Wow, Lloyd. <laughs> so he was taking a bunch of antibiotics mm. and all of a sudden he was looking in the mirror and he's like, bro, I'm turning into a gray. He's like, you got to help me out. You got to help me out. What do you oh, got? What no. do you got? And so so I helped him. Like I, I re-inoculated yeah. him. I was like, yeah, come on over. And I gave him some of the microbes, which mm. were essentially like kind of... um. I had propagated it with my dirt. So it's kind of like mixing like this dirt powder. Mm -hmm. And then I also gave him lactobacillus. Okay. And then I also gave him some of the OHN, the oriental herbal nutrient. Mm. And that's like, that has some other herbs like garlic and ginger, cinnamon, um, and, you know, licorice. All, all those are like healing Chinese herbs. So yeah. kind of that, that tandem tincture to like you know rehumanize him <laughs> wow D did he feel better did he feel more human i i think so yeah like i think his his aspect on it was like that um yeah like when when he felt like he was on the antibiotics he had a harder time connecting to people mm. like he felt more disconnected more more alien i guess in his like more yeah like intellectual and less like feeling and like resonant and when he so then when he took the microbes those those feelings of like um you know, like companionship and like um i like uh c compassion is a great one mm, came back to him yeah wow so there's there's one more experiment i've done on myself on my microbiome since i've lived in hawaii i can tell you about it if you want yeah yeah that okay. sounds good <laughs> okay so uh, my friend sent me a passage from this book uh and it was this guy basically saying and i wish i could remember the name of the book but anyways um this guy was basically saying that he used to have a lot of trouble digesting his food and mm. eventually one day he just was like you know what just through some uh, similar conclusions that I came to in my learning, it was just like, I'm just gonna brew some worm casting tea and I'm gonna drink it and give, give that soil microbiome the opportunity to fill in the gaps in my gut microbiome. Mm. And he sent that to me right after I had moved here. 
and I was having these like debilitating stomach aches mm. after I moved here. And mm. I think it, it's gotta be the change in microbiome, like, mm. cause mm. I'm from North Carolina and yeah, um, Maui, uh, intensely tropical climate is really different and also my diet shifted dramatically so mm. I feel like I just didn't have didn't have what my gut was needing in order to digest my food and I was really feeling it um and so I just after reading my, then my friend sent me that passage and I was like all right it's time <laughs> so we have a worm bin <laughs> so I just went to the worm bin and I you know dug around and got some just like a little pinch of castings and put it in some water, you know, swirled it around. I didn't aerate it or anything in the example he gave me. They had aerated it for a couple of days, but I didn't do that. I just, just straight up mm -hmm. <laughs> and put it in some water and drank it. And it is wild. I literally have not had one stomach ache since then. <laughs> it was great. Like I was, I was like, okay, it's gotta be the fruit. You know, at first so I stopped eating fruit, was still getting the stomach aches. And since then I've been eating like, 10 bananas a day, totally fine. My stomach's happy. My digestion is awesome. And it's literally just after drinking these worm castings in water. Wow. Wow. I mean, wow. They're, yeah, microbial magic, dude. Like some serious <laughs> microbial magic. Well, that's it for our free episode. So join us at www.microbialsecret.org for the full episode and join the microbial secret society so uh, may the beneficial microbes be with you aloha <laughs>